You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Uh, go ahead and be turning your Bibles over to Acts chapter 11. Great to be together. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I uh, hope you had a great time. I won't ask you to raise your hands if you had a wonderful time with your family. Because I know some people, you know, didn't. But uh, uh, this, is what the, uh, this is what the traffic looked like on Wednesday. Here in our great city of Los Angeles. If you can see in the top corner, that's the 405. How many of you guys experienced the 405 over Thanksgiving? Anybody? Okay, a few of you did. God bless you. So hopefully that wasn't your experience. Uh, we had a great time. We stayed at home. I don't think I got in my car for a few days. That was really nice. Uh, just being around the house. We had the Thomases over for turkey. That was great. Uh, and uh, turkey with the Thomases. I didn't think about how, how that rolls off the tongue. It's perfect. So it might be a new tradition. I don't know. But we had a great time. Uh, watching some basketball, watching some football, eating some turkey, uh, enjoying fellowship, uh, being grateful. We had a little uh, kind of poster where before you were allowed to eat any uh, Thanksgiving food, you had to put something on there that you were grateful for, uh, you know, at least one thing. And some people went overboard and put a, a few things. Some people just kind of did the bare minimum and just did one thing. Uh, one person only put Netflix on. So, amen. We're going to talk a little bit about gratitude today. Uh, the title of the lesson is Grace of God at Work. If you want to follow along on the app, this is how you get the app. Uh, just kind of a side note, this is one of the best ways to kind of let people know about the church that are young, uh, because everything is about phones with people who are young, if you haven't noticed that already. So you hand them a little card that invites them to church, they're probably just going to lose it. But if you say, hey, let me show you the app, and then you have them download it, then they can get, you know, they have our calendar, they have our sermons, they have our study series even, they kind of have it all. So it's just, you know, it's a great way to share your faith. If you hadn't thought about that, uh, just telling people about the app is an awesome way to kind of connect people with what we're doing. Uh, so we've been doing this uh, series called Spiritual, Spirit-Filled People, uh, talking about the spirit at work, work in the book of Acts. And uh, today we're up to Acts chapter 11. Um, and I'm going to say a prayer before we jump into the scriptures. So uh, if you would, bow with me and let's pray. God, thank you to be able to uh, worship you this morning. It's great just to sing about your grace and about uh, what you do for us and uh, how you, you died on the cross for us as we just sang about. Uh, God, we don't really know how much it costs. Uh, we don't really understand even all that you're doing in the world. But uh, we are grateful, God. Uh, I, I know sometimes we don't feel grateful or sometimes we get disconnected from your grace. And I pray that even as we look into the scriptures today, it would help each person wherever we are in our level of gratitude or wherever we are in our commitment or wherever we are with you, God. I pray we all take a step closer towards Jesus and towards understanding him better and towards understanding you better and the way that your grace is displayed in him. And I uh, pray that you'd speak through me that I could really communicate clearly and uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Dessa, would you do me a favor, my lovely wife? My water bottle is back there. And uh, it's backstage over there, my blue water bottle. 
I, last couple times I've preached, I forgot to get water. Somebody used to deliver water for you, but now it doesn't happen anymore. And uh, I don't know who it was. I, I think it might have been Jay Johnson. I'm not sure. But so uh, anyway, I was like so parched when I tried to preach for all the singles campus teens. And there wasn't, you know, our infrastructure there. It was just sort of, oh, wow. No, no, no. I, I have one. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> For the singles campus, that's I got one already. Okay, cool. Now I got extra. Now I got extra. Um, so I was so part, I was trying to preach for the singles campus teen service, and it was over there, you know, and there's already this big chasm between you and the congregation. And so, and, and it was, you know, the younger people of the church, and they're, you know, the young people are awesome. They're not quite as, as uh, like, they don't display as much I'm paying attention as much as some of the older people. I mean... <laughs> You know, like, amen, or go for, I mean, you know, they just, it's not their thing, right? So it was just kind of quiet, and I'm parched, and I was just like, this is hard, Lord, help me get through this. So today I'm like, no, I'm just going to get my water, so. Ah, now I'm ready to preach. Okay, Acts 11, verse 19, it says, Now those who've been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So as I mentioned, today's uh, lesson is called Grace of God at Work, and we're going to be looking at three things, as Mark Steberg always does. People, partnership, and remembering the poor. People, partnership, and remembering the poor. So, uh, first of all, again, what is going on in the book of Acts? It's the Holy Spirit using people. And so the story is of, of everyday people like you and me, but the Holy Spirit empowering them to do amazing things. And it's the beginning of this group of people we now know as Christians, as we, we are going to look at. This is the first place in Antioch where they're called Christians, but it's the early church. It's, it's part of the same story that you and I are a part of. That's why it's so uh, invigorating and unifying and inspiring to look back at that first century church because that is us. That is what we are part of. That's why we're together today is because of these brothers and sisters. And they were kind of sandwiched between the temple that was persecuting them, as we just read about, and then the Romans who are going to persecute them intensely uh, all throughout the first and second century. They endure Roman persecution, but in spite of all the opposition, they changed the entire planet. And they overcame the whole Roman Empire, the most powerful empire ever known. 
So, so as we are, you know, thinking about next steps as our congregation and, and as our family, uh, what we want to do next and taking some steps of faith as we've been talking about possibly meeting in different locations and doing different things, we really want to uh, be in touch with our, our mission and our purpose and our, our calling and our story and all of that is right here in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is at work through regular people like you and me. And from the very beginning, we talked about kind of these themes that go throughout uh, the book of Acts. One is to wait on the Holy Spirit, and the second is to witness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, just to kind of show you this map of, of what's happening and where we are in the story as we get to Acts 11. So Jerusalem, let me step over here. Jerusalem is down here uh, where everything Jesus did was just right there, right in that little, I can't even show you where, you know, uh, Nazareth was where he grew up because it's just kind of right there in Galilee and it's all just in this, you know, 100 mile area. But then uh, he, he took his disciples up here to Caesarea at one point, but that's as far as he ever took his disciples. But he tells them in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that kind of forms the outline for the rest of the book of Acts. And so uh, in the beginning of Acts, we have everything happening in Jerusalem and in interaction with the, the Jewish leaders and the temple. And then with Stephen and his speech and his sermon, as, as DK preached about his boldness, uh, the persecution that breaks out in connection with Stephen, as we read about here in Acts eleven nineteen, that persecution scatters the disciples. So in the, in the beginning of Acts, Acts 2, it says all these uh, Jews came together from all over the diaspora. So that's this whole area all around, you know, people would come to Jerusalem for these different festivals because there was Jewish communities in all these, all these cities, especially like uh, Antioch and, and some of these. So they, not as much over here. There wasn't really as much over here, but over here, all around. So all these Jews come together to Jerusalem, uh, and then that's when the church launches. And then they just stay there and be become a family, as we see in Acts 2 and Acts 4, where they share their possessions and they're meeting together all the time, and they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. But then with this persecution with Stephen, suddenly they've, they've got to go back to their home uh, places of origin. So they're scattered. But what it says is that they preach the word everywhere they go. And so Philip, for example, who was scattered, preaches the word here in Damascus. And this is Samaria right here. Uh, this kind of area. Damascus is the headquarters of Samaria. So that's where the Ethiopian eunuch becomes a disciple. Uh, that's where, uh, you know, we see uh, si Simon the sorcerer becomes a Christian, but then he kind of doesn't. And, you know, it's kind of interesting story in Acts chapter 8. So, so the, we see the gospel is in, in fulfillment of what Jesus said. It goes from Jerusalem through Judea. This is all Judea and Samaria, this whole area. Now we're seeing in Acts 11 this transition to now the ends of the earth. So this is the known Roman Empire. So now it's reached Syrian Antioch up here. There's two Antiochs. There's actually six Antiochs. There was a, a Greek uh, king named Antiochus. And so he, he was, uh, you know, for whatever reason, there was a lot of cities named after him. But these are two of them. So they, they reach Antioch. And here it says they start to, to speak to Gentiles, not just Jews, but start to speak to Gentiles. Of course, before this, we have the story of Cornelius becoming a Christian, who was the first uh, non-Jew to become a Christian, as Dustin spoke about last week, a guy who was known for his gifts to the poor, known for his living. He lived like Jesus before he even knew Jesus, right? And, and uh, Dustin talked last week about what being living like Jesus looks like. And, uh, and so now we're, we're seeing the expansion of the church into the ends of the earth. So that's kind of the part that we're at. I appreciate you know, the disciples' willingness to preach the word even when they're 
on the run, you know, even when they're being persecuted, even when they're going through suffering, that they're still sharing their faith. And it's interesting that, that, that sharing their faith is connected with the grace of God. Look, look, at, look at what you see here. And this is kind of getting to the first point about people. It says in verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 21, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Verse 26, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught what? Great numbers of people. Do you think Luke wants us to get the idea that great numbers of people were being impacted by the grace of God? Three times in just a few verses, it's repeating this phrase, great numbers of people. The grace of God produces results uh, in, in great numbers. When we're connected with the grace of God, we see uh, great numbers coming around. And, uh, you know, I know it was the grace of God because look at verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They saw Bar sent Barnabas to Antioch when he arrived and saw what? What the grace of God had done. So when you understand God's grace, it makes you want to share your faith. It makes you want to share what you've been given. These people knew uh, how much God had, had worked in their lives. These people knew how amazing it was that they could ha now have a personal relationship with God. They knew how amazing it was that this man, Jesus, was fulfilling all the Old Testament. And now, not only Jews, but Gentiles as well, everybody on earth had an opportunity to be in a relationship with God and be a part of this community. They were so excited about the grace of God, they had to share it with other people, with great numbers of people. Grace is a motor. Gratitude is an engine. It produces results. When you really have, uh, when you're tied into grace in your life, you, you see God working. So if you don't see God working in your life, you know, then you probably have lost a little bit of touch with, you know, grace. You've probably lost a little bit of touch with how much you've been given, how much you've been blessed with, how much God has worked in your life. You know, we are part, if you don't know, uh, our church is a part of, of the L.A. Church of Christ. And it's a story we don't probably tell enough is that the South Bay Church is part of the L.A. Church of Christ. And that's why, you know, when you write checks, you write, still write checks to the L.A. Church of Christ. Because the, the L.A. Church of Christ started uh, downtown in 1988 uh, with just, you know, dozens of people and then others moved here. But it went from this small downtown ministry to all over L.A. in just a number of years. Great numbers of people came around. My wife and I moved here in the end of 92. Uh, so 26 years ago uh, right now, about this time we moved here. Uh, uh, and uh, we, we, we came to be a part of that church to help build this great church here in L.A. And we saw great numbers of people come to God. I mean, thousands and thousands. And we used to go downtown to the Shrine Auditorium for a worship once a month. How many of you guys ever went to a shrine service? So some of you guys remember that. We used to go there once a month. We would drive downtown and, and be a part of, of, of just seeing visually great numbers of people coming to God. And it was awesome. It was inspiring. And uh, the LA Church is going to be celebrating our our 30th anniversary. So I guess it must have been 89 because we're celebrating our anniversary next year. Sorry, I got it wrong. Thank you. <laughs> you were waiting to tell me. <laughs> he was holding back though. So 89, next year we're going to celebrate our 30th anniversary. But, but you know, the church is older now. You know, the people in the church are older now. We are older as a congregation. And as you get, as you age uh, as a church, you can lose a little bit of the connection to grace. 
you can lose a little bit of, of, of gratitude for what God has done in your life. And I know it's true because even in the book of Revelation, which was, was written in the 90s, not the, not the 90s, but the original 90s, uh, uh, you know, John wrote uh, from Jesus, Jesus is talking to these churches and he's saying things like, you have forsaken the love you had at first, he says to Ephesus. And uh, in Sardis, he says, you, you, you seem like you're alive, but you're about to die. You've got to wake up and strengthen what's about to die. You're, you're fading. Laodicea, he says, I know your deeds that you know, you're neither cold nor hot. You're lukewarm. That's what can happen as we age if we're not careful, right? So we gotta, we got to stay connected to the grace of God. And, and we, this is where we need each other because when you, when you study with someone, the Bible, and you see them get in touch with the grace of God, it reignites your own faith, doesn't it? It reignites your own uh, conviction. You're, you know, all of a sudden it becomes new again to you. So that's why we need a constant influx of new people understanding the grace of God. And that's why even our, our young people, we've got to invest in our young people and having them see the grace of God. Now, here's a, here's a kind of trick that Satan tries to do to, to disconnect us from grace when it comes to the older people and younger people. The people who've been around a while, what, Satan's trick is to try to get us just to kind of go through the motions of being a church member, you know, maybe giving our contribution, showing up, doing, sort of doing these things, but not doing things that require us to have faith and dependence on God and make us a little bit afraid. But we're just kind of, kind of playing it comfortable, right? And so then you, 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 your heart can get disconnected from that scary feeling. When you're first a Christian, you go like, okay, man, I got I to gotta trust God with this. You know, there's a, a brother who's a good friend of mine. I won't, I won't tell you who it is. He might want to share the story himself. But he, uh, his job, he had been stealing from work for like years. And so part of becoming a Christian was if he's going to be a disciple, he's got to tell his boss what he's been doing for like the last few years. And that was a scary step to take. But he's like, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to do this. And so, you know, God bless him. He talked to his boss and his boss was like, well, the good news is I'm not going to press charges. Bad news is you're out of here. But I appreciate that kind of, that took a faith. That, took, that was scary for him to do. It could have been easy for him to be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that, you know. But he took a step of faith. So, you know, when you're first becoming a Christian, sometimes you take those steps of faith. Maybe you break off a relationship that's impure. Or maybe you get out of a group of friends that keep dragging you down or keep dragging you into drug use. Or, or maybe you go, I'm not going to hang out in that neighborhood anymore. You take these steps of faith that require you to, to rely on God, just like these brothers and sisters who are on the run from persecution. And they're like so in touch with God's grace because their, their faith is exciting and it's on the edge. But over time, as you age and, and as you kind of get this, this Christian thing down, you can just sort of go through the motions. And so you got to decide that next, you know, next year or in my life, or I, I want to take radical steps of faith again. I want to do something that scares me spiritually. You know, whatever it is. And, and it's amazing how much that, that ignite, ignition of your heart can come back just from taking a few steps of faith. I mean, even just something as small as, okay, this one coworker, I'm going to talk to them about God. I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. You know, or this stranger on the bus, I'm going to start up a conversation with them. It's radical. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but you start up a conversation with this person on the bus, and then, and then you start talking about church, and then they're interested, and they give you your, their, their phone number, or you share with them that. And then suddenly you're like, on fire for Jesus! Just one little thing, right? So, so that's a trick of Satan. The other trick of Satan is, when it comes to grace is with the younger people is he can try to get younger people to feel like, I just can't do it. Like, I, 
I can't be a Christian. I see what my parents are like, or I see what these older people are like, or I see what these people are like who are 30 years old as a Christian. I can't do that. And I got to do that in order to be a Christian. I have to be perfect. I have to have a quiet time every single day. I have to share my faith. I have to do all these things I'm afraid of. And you feel like, okay, I have to do all that before I can be a Christian. And that's getting it backwards. You need the grace of God and you need the Holy Spirit in your life. And then that will empower you to do things for God. But it's not, you don't do great things for God so you can be a Christian. You're a Christian and then God does great things through you by his power and by the power of his Holy Spirit. So don't let Satan tell you that you got to be perfect in order to become a Christian. You need God's grace. And those of us who are older Christians, do we need God's grace less? No, we need it more, don't we? There's more sin over the years. There's more ways that we see. You know what? I remember studying the Bible and, and like, okay, I got I to gotta stop being impure. I got to stop, you know, lusting and, and, and pornography. And I got to stop dirty jokes and cussing. And I, I shouldn't go to these parties where stuff's going on that I don't do, but I, I shouldn't even go to it because I don't want to be a part of it. And I shouldn't, you know, there's like a, a few things. Okay, I know I'm prideful and I got to stop that. But it's like, okay, there's just a handful of stuff I really got to change, <laughs> you know? But then after being, I celebrated 30 years as a Christian, you know, it's like, man, I've got so far to go to be like Jesus. You know, you really, I need grace so much. I mess up every day. And, uh, you know, I, I, I shared with you guys my confession a few weeks ago. I got so many comments about that. I should share, I should confess more often. Uh, <laughs> that I confess that, you know, I'm driving, trying to drive to Malibu twice a week, and uh, it's stressful, and getting through the west side, and everybody's anxious and annoyed, and I, I need to have kingdom values and not be like the world, right? And I said, I confess that I had even said a-hole, but the real word a few times, you know, at somebody who did something like, cuss, you know, cut me off or did something that was very, in, you know, that that, that, that uh, label would apply to what they did. <laughs> All right? So, because that label is just so perfect for certain behaviors, you know what I mean? There's nothing else that really fits it. You can't be like... You know, whatever. So I'm like, I got to be like a Christian. Okay, go ahead. No, it's fine. Whatever. But, but you know, several of you said you'd pray for me. And I tell you, it has changed absolutely. From that day, I have not struggled at all. Now, I hate to say that <laughs> because. But your prayers have helped me. And it helped me just to, to, to confess, you know, that this is, I got to be more like Jesus here. But no matter where you are, you never outgrow needing the grace of God. And, uh. And, and, and what I appreciate about this story is it talks about a, a shift in the church where they shifted from talking to Jews to talking to Gentiles. And that was a whole different way of, of approaching the gospel. And I mention that because, and this is just to barely touch on it, but we are as a church, we have to remain flexible. We have to be able to continually uh, look again at how are we communicating the gospel and are we reaching people? Because we haven't really been growing as a church the last few years. So we got to go, okay, what do we need to do? Do we need to shift things? I want to show you something, a shift that's happened. Our world has absolutely changed in the last 10 years. Uh, and uh, this is just one indication. This is uh, the growth of religiously unaffiliated. This is called the nuns, N-O-N-E. -N -E, I don't have a church. I don't go to church. I don't, you know, I don't do any of that stuff. So this is from 2007 to 2014. Uh, you can see that increase. This is from Pew Research Center. It went from uh, in 2007 to 16%. Right now, it's actually 25%. In just 10 years, that huge jump. 
Why? Because there's been a rise of skepticism in our country. 9-11 really woke up a lot of people to uh, the power of religion and, and fanaticism. And, 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 and then you have that 9-11 combined with the internet and instant access to information and misinformation. And so th- th- this, this day and age we're in is an age where there's so much misinformation about God and about the Bible and about Jesus that is readily available to people. Everybody's natural, you know, a lot of people, their natural uh, view is a skeptic view. And so we've got to think more about how do we reach skeptics? Do you know apologetics? Do you know why you believe what you believe? Do you know how we got the Bible? Do you know why we got the Bible? Do you know that our faith is not in the Bible? Our faith is in God and Jesus, and and the Bible is communication about God and Jesus, but our faith isn't in that. Like, our faith doesn't rest on the Bible. Our faith rests on Jesus, a person, an event, the fact that he rose from the dead. We value the scriptures because the early church valued the scriptures because the the scriptures were pointing them to this person and this event. They didn't even have what we have as the New Testament. Many of them didn't even have the Old Testament. So we are, and if you think, I don't respect the Bible, you know, you don't know me very well or or we need to have a conversation. But I'm just saying we've got to move past like, oh, well, the Bible says so that means people nowadays don't accept that, especially young people. Oh, the Bible says it, so that means, I mean, some people do, but you got to, well, why do I accept it? I know the Bible says it, but why do I accept the Bible? Why do I accept that there's a God? Why do I accept, so, so, so we're, we're looking at, we actually have a new study series we're going to do that's more about Jesus, and we're going to be teaching and training on that in January and, and February, so we really want you guys to be equipped to be able to share in this new generation about Jesus and why do we even follow Jesus, and we want to give you, give you more tools, but we got to be willing to shift what we're doing and how we do it if we're going to reach great numbers of people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's talk about uh, the second thing, partnership. Before we do that, I, I want to mention this, uh, this concept, that, 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 uh, the word Christian. The, the word Christian was most likely a derogatory term or kind of a negative term because these are the only other two places it's used in the Bible. Acts 26, Agrippa says to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Like, like that? You know, that's kind of how it's being used, right? Paul says, no, I, I hope everybody is what I am. First uh, Peter 4, 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God you bear that name. Praise God that you bear that name. Don't be ashamed of the name Christian. The word Christian was, was these, these people in Antioch going, oh, those are the Jesus people. Those are those Christ people. Right, but they say, but Peter's saying, no, be be proud of that name. But you don't see the word Christian in the Bible very much, and that's important because if you want to understand what it means to be a Christian, you got to look at what does it mean to be a disciple, what does it mean to be a, 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 a saint. You know, those are the words that the Christian Church used. They didn't use the word Christian, and so that's another part of what our study series is about: is helping people understand what does it mean to live the life of a disciple. And if you're new to the church, you don't know what that term means or what it means to be a disciple. We'd love to just show you. Just look at the Bible and look at the term disciple and how it's used, and that will show you what it means to really be a biblical Christian. Amen? All right, let's talk about partnership. It says in verse 25, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So we talked about that. Um, So I want to show you on the... uh, map what, what's happening here. So again, 
Saul was on his way to Damascus when he, when he had the vision, right? And so then he's, and then he's in Jerusalem. Then he's back up here in Tarsus. That's where he's from. So Tarsus was, uh, Saul was born in Tarsus but raised down here in Jerusalem. He was a student of Gamaliel. So he's back in Tarsus. Barnabas, who's from Jerusalem, or he's from Cyprus, but he's in Jerusalem as part of the early church. So Barnabas is, uh, Barnabas isn't his real name. Anybody know what his name is off the top of your head? Joseph, good. You win a prize, Dave. A hug for me after church. All right. So, uh, yeah, his name is Joe. Uh, and, uh, but Barnabas means son, bar, son, nabus of encouragement, son of encouragement. So he was such an encouraging guy, the apostles, it says, gave him that nickname. You're, you're a son of encouragement. And uh, so he kind of went by that nickname because uh, he was such an encouraging brother. So they send him, they hear that these uh, disciples uh, are, are becoming, uh, people are becoming disciples here that are Gentile background. So they send Barnabas up there to check it out. So Barnabas goes up there. He goes there and goes, this is an amazing ministry. God's grace is at work here. There's evidence of the grace of God, it used to say in NIV. Now it says he saw what God's grace had done. And so he goes, I know who would be perfect for this ministry. That is Saul, my old buddy Saul. So, so uh, in Jerusalem, Saul, who had been persecuting Christians, the church Christians were like, no way, we don't trust you. You know, stay away from here. And so it took Barnabas kind of helping helping Paul out to connect him. And I use Saul and Paul interchangeably. Uh, one was his Jewish name, one was his Greek name. But um, so, so he knows, he goes, Saul would be perfect for this. Paul would be perfect for this. So he goes over here to Sar Tarsus, gets him, brings him back there, and then they form a partnership. And uh, I will show, uh, look at Acts 13 really quick. I'll show you uh, what, what that partnership looked like uh, in verse 1 of Acts 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. So they've, they've, they formed this great leadership team there in Antioch. And this is a pretty diverse group. Uh, we don't know, well, we know Barnabas, he's a Jew uh, from, from Cyprus. He's in Jerusalem. Uh, this guy, Simeon, called Niger, that just means, the word just means black in, in, uh, in Greek. So he was a black guy. That's what they think, you know. Uh, the black brother, you know, part of the, of, the, of the team there. And then there was another guy, Lucius of Cyrene. So he was from Africa as well. He's from down here. Then they have uh, Manaean. He was brought up with Herod. So he was like a, like a rich dude, like came from, Herod was the, the richest of the famous, you know, he would have been on TMZ. So it's like, this guy was on TMZ or whatever. <laughs> so he probably grew up down here. Caesarea was the seat of government, so he probably grew up down there. And then, you know, and then you had uh, Saul. So it was a diverse group and, uh, of, of people, but they formed a great partnership. And that became a launch pad for all of Saul's ministry. And I mention that because if there hadn't been these brothers and sisters, we don't even know their names, but they had enough faith to share their faith as they were on, being persecuted. If they hadn't shared their faith and, and started making disciples there in Antioch, there wouldn't have been a church in Antioch. And if there hadn't been a church in Antioch, Saul wouldn't have really learned how to be a, a great minister and, and, and be a part of this leadership team. And if he hadn't learned all that, then he probably wouldn't have gone on these missionary journeys and he wouldn't have written all these books that we have. Do you see what I'm saying? Like the Holy Spirit works through all of that and he works through partnerships like this relationship 
that Barnabas had with Saul. And I mention that because if you are a part of the church and you don't have solid partnerships, you will not last. You won't make it long term. We need to have deep relationships. And in our church, what we call them is discipling relationships because uh, we talked before about what it means to be a disciple. And, and that's becoming like Jesus is something we never outgrow. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's something we continually need to keep working on is being more and more like Jesus and obeying everything he commanded. So we need one another relationships to help us be more like Jesus. So if you don't have a solid discipling relationship, now's the time to make sure you get into one. As we go into 2019, we want to have every single person in the South Bay Church in a great partnership, in a great discipling relationship. And so I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many of you guys actually get with someone with regularity, but, but you know in your heart whether you do or you don't. And if you don't, make a decision. I want to go after this. I want to make sure I, and take responsibility for yourself, I want to make sure I'm getting discipled. I'm going to make sure I I'm, I'm, have great partnerships. For me, I'm so grateful for our partnership with the Marichis. We get together with them every week. Uh, with Dustin and Catherine, we get together with them regularly or talk to them with, with Pat. Uh, with Brian Hood, with Owen Thomas, with DK and I get together pretty regularly and, and we talk a lot. You know, I need these kind of partnerships in my, in my life. Mark, Mark Steberg and I talk pretty regularly. You know, we need relationships that call us higher spiritually. Amen? Yes. You know, I was really bothered by something this last week and, and I couldn't let it go. And uh, I, I was just, I, I tried talking to Dessa and uh, you know, she was helping one of our kids with something and just caught up in that. She was, she was super helpful in the moment, but, you know, I, I wasn't able to really talk through what I needed to talk through. And Steve was on the phone, like, all this morning, uh, that morning, trying to get uh, people to receive all these truckloads of, of supplies that went up to Paradise to help people. And, uh, you know, he, we had the trucks, he had the stuff, but he couldn't get hold of anybody up there because all the infrastructure was destroyed. So he's on the phone, so I can't talk to Steve. So I talked to Jackie for about 45 minutes, you know, just talked through what I was feeling. And I can't tell you how much better I felt after just having a great conversation. And just having a, 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 a good talk about what I was feeling and, and talking it through with her. You know, just that partnership in the Lord, it just helps us get where we need to be, right? It helped me so much. And I hope you have a relationship like that. Last thing, remembering the poor. Remembering the poor, this will be a, kind of short because we're talking about a lot, this a lot in our midweeks. But in verse 29, it says, The disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did so, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Uh, this is a trip that's most likely recorded in Galatians 2, where Paul describes going down to Jerusalem. Galatians 2, 1 through, 1 through 10 or so. And uh, there was... Uh, on record, this, this, uh, this um, famine in Jerusalem in A.D. 46, Josephus records it as being in that year. And so, you know, the, the, the church was in need, and so the, these disciples in Antioch, even though it was a new, new young congregation, they said, okay, we want to help out our brothers and sisters. Uh, and it says, as each was able. Not beyond your ability, but as you are able. God expects you to use what you have to bless others. That's just part of it. If you're going to be a Christian, that means you give away what you have. And, uh, you know, I am so, so grateful for the, the giving spirit of this church. I mean, I can't even enumerate all the ways that our church has contributed to the needs of others. Uh, I mean, I think back to the, the, these different earthquakes we've had and tsunamis and, you know, helping in Haiti when, when the, the, the earthquakes uh, happened there, helping w with flood victims, 
uh, more recently and, and uh, helping with, with fire victims, helping you know, the, the people in the Middle East if you, uh, and, and getting the gospel there. If you remember that graphic Mark showed a couple weeks ago with the, the area of the, of the world that nobody knows about Jesus, that is the Muslim area of the world. Uh, there's a direct correlation between that map he showed in the Muslim world. And so the, our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, they're on the front lines of that work where they can easily be killed for their faith. Uh, and yet they're trying to get people the word of Jesus. And so you guys as a church, you support that work with, with sacrifice. And, and you raise money all year round for that. You contribute to Hope Worldwide. And, and we heard more about that last week. All that Hope is doing. I mean, historically, Hope has had uh, in Cambodia, they have a free hospital there because in Cambodia, all the doctors were killed by the Khmer Rouge not that long ago. So there wasn't health care in that country. And so Hope stepped in and said, we're going to provide free health care for people there. And in India, where there's the caste system, and so it's socially acceptable to look down on people who are poor because it's a caste system. You must have had a bad life in the last life, and so that's why you're a leper. And so it's socially acceptable to be like, yeah, let the lepers rot because maybe they'll get a better chance next life. I mean, that's just the culture of India. And yet our church says, no, we're going we're gonna to help these lepers and we're going to clothe them and we're going to wash their wounds and we're going to provide a colony for them to live. And that's what hope does. Hope takes orphans in India who've been abandoned and, and raises them. Hope helps kids in Africa who were, you know, were orphaned by AIDS, helps raise those kids. I mean, hope does so many things. In, the, in the Central America, hope has the brigades where they, and some of you guys have gone to those where you, they provide health care for people who are poor and could never get dental care. You know, they're able to come to a brigade and get their needs met. Even brothers and sisters in our churches there. That's who primarily they serve first and foremost is the brothers and sisters in those brigades. But all of that, you have cared. You have contributed. You have been like these brothers and sisters who said, okay, if I, as much as I'm able, I want to help. And God looks on that with favor and God blesses that. But you know what? I think we could do more. I think we could do more. I think we could do more in our city. And I, I want to show you this. this. This keeps me awake at night sometimes. The homelessness in our, in, just in L.A., and you see this. I've seen this driving around. I've, I, I've, there, there are so many more homeless people. Just drive through downtown. This is the increase from 2010 to 2017. 41,000 people who are unsheltered. That means they, they're, they're staying in their car or they're staying under a bridge or they're staying in a tent. They're not in a shelter. More than any other city in the U.S., 41,000 people. Think how many people that is, 41,000 people. It overwhelms me. i like, what do I even do? How do I even start? There's a homeless man that lives, you know, he, he's right there at, at my corner all the time. He's always there. And I've talked to him a couple times. I've given him some money a few times. But I'm like, I don't even know. What do I do? And some people I know, are they, they don't want to change or they don't want to get out of their situation. They don't want to get out of homelessness. But there are other people that really do. They want change. They want to get out of it. What can we do to help those people? And I, I'm just bringing it up as this is, an, this is our community, and we've got to do something about it. I don't even know what that is yet, but we've got to do something to help the, the, the people in our, in our world, in our community. Why? Because the need is there, but it's also it helps connect us to what we've been given. The grace of God at work, you know, we talked about people, we talked about partnerships, those connect us to grace. But helping others, serving others, it connects us to God's grace like nothing else. When you give to people who are like this, you remember how much you've been given. 
You're reminded, I have so much to be grateful for. What do I complain about? I have so much. Because I can have a spirit of complaint sometimes. I don't know. I'm going to confess my sin again. Uh, I can complain about things, you know, stuff breaking down in my house or, uh, you know, that's always happening, you know. Uh, but, but then, but then I, I get convicted by myself, like, man, I'm complaining about stuff breaking down in my house that I'm a homeowner. I mean, I'm not an owner yet, you know, that's 30 years from now, but you know what I mean. I mean, I have a roof over my head. I have food. I, I mean, we complain about so much. And, and uh, uh, I was convicted of this the other day. Uh, you know, we, we'd had a, a number of things happen where somebody broke our, 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 uh, the door to our, uh, our, our car and, and stole my computer. Uh, a few years earlier, somebody had stole my guitar out of my garage and my keyboard out of my garage. And then, and then we woke up and uh, I tried to start my car and someone had ripped the catalytic converter right out of the bottom of my car. They just chopped it out. So I start my car and it's like, it sounds like a, a Harley or something and then it wouldn't drive. Uh, and I have a Prius, and I guess this is popular with Priuses because they jack it up and cut it out, and then they're gone. But I felt so violated, you know? Someone stole, it's, it's like someone stole my liver, you know? It's like that, it's like that, uh, you know, that internet story where you wake up and your kidneys have been taken or whatever, you know? I felt so violated. And, uh, you know, I, I felt so angry and I felt so, uh, you know, irritated, but then, I, but then I remembered how much I had been given. And... Uh, I wrote a song that day, uh, a blues song, called uh, Lay Down Your Burden Blues. And uh, I thought I would share it with you guys. Uh, I never thought I was going to do anything with the song. It was more therapy for me. But uh, as I was, uh, and so my family doesn't know I did it or anything, but, but um, I, I just was trying to work through my feelings about the catalytic converter, you know, and these other things that had been stolen. But, uh, but I thought I'll share it because I think we all can relate to being complainers sometimes and needing to be more grateful. So as you catch on, I'll invite you to sing along with me. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll close with this, and then we're going to have another South Bay story. So uh, let's get the band guys out here. right one okay so much technology I hope you guys like the blues yeah some things that you just need to you just got to sing the blues when your catalytic converter got stolen This morning, Pondy opened the door. Woke up this morning, hardly opened the door. Already trouble came calling for had been here and they stole what was mine 
said the thieves had been here and they stole what was mine. Can't hold on to possession and I can't turn back the time. Old and a spirit told me got to learn to let go you know the spirit told me got to learn to let go sorrow has enough trouble lovers own come out here and we're going to have our South Bay story. 
Caesar's gonna set up the uh, thing. Oh yeah. Um, if you're uh, visiting with us, um, we've been doing these uh, kind of a little window into different people in our in our fellowship. As we're looking at the Book of Acts and uh, and different people uh, in that story, we we thought it would be cool to just know more about our people and our stories. So uh, Caesar is one of those guys that always is working behind the scenes of any event, uh, always at work. And uh, so I thought everybody would love to hear more about this masterful, you know, person who's always in the background making all these things happen. So, so Caesar, uh, first of all, just tell us a little bit about how did you become part of the church? I know it was quite a few years ago. Yeah, briefly, uh, it started with a couple of five-year-olds, and, um, and one of this five-year-old was a uh, first student in school, with elementary school, and so uh, the teacher, Mrs. Taylor, uh, brought this young, young man, Drew Mines, and said, and, and brought David over, my son, and said, David, this is Drew. He's new in school, so I want you to be his friend and just be able to be with oh, him cool. and make sure he knows where things are and all that kind of thing. So right there, that's where the, uh, the friendship started. And um, later that day when they were going back home, that's when uh, uh, my wife Rosario, you know, David told his mom, Mom, this is Drew, his, uh, the new kid in school, and that's where Janet and, and Rosario met. Awesome. And then um, conveniently later on, you know, David was in Mike's team, which is... Uh, uh, Janice's husband and um, Drew's dad, and later on in, in his basketball team, and pretty soon, you know, we were being invited to church. Uh, we went to the church, the one in Car Carson uh, uh -huh. Civic Civic yeah, Center. Yeah, there I remember we way. met there before. Yeah, there Carson. was other places, and yeah, and uh, we. I that tried was to back when Jane Carroll uh, Jane Carroll were leading here then, right? Yes, okay. Jane Carroll was there. Yeah. So that was really cool. Just uh, just great music, just great people, and uh, I was just attracted just the. You, you know, just a, just a loving family. That's just what I saw in their in their everyday life. Amen. So the story started when when David was five. And where is David? Is he here? David and Chelsea. Oh, they must be sir. I think they're in Kids Kingdom actually. So there, his his son is now an adult in our ministry and a key part of our ministry. They're part of the lead the young marrieds and. You know, has a life of his own and stuff, so that's really cool. And the Mines, if you don't know them, Mike and Janice, they uh, used to serve here in the in the ministry, and uh, um, it was cool. I was listening to the story of Ed Anton. Those of you who have ever read some of his books, and uh, he's a key leader in our fellowship of churches around the world, but they became Christians from the Mines as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was Mike Mike that reached out to them and their family that really impacted them, so it's so cool how, how family, you know, God can use families. So, so Caesar, I know you're... Uh, part of the first impressions ministry and the ushering uh, and the, and what happens to kind of set up the church. But tell us a little bit more about what is the first impressions ministry, the people that wear these lovely blue uh, shirts. <laughs> uh, what, what are kind of what function are they doing and, and how does it work and how can somebody get involved if they want to help? Well, I appreciate Mark, first of all, just uh, recognizing just the need for that, right? Because uh, how many of you guys ever been to like a a new orientation for college, or you're, the, you know, you, you've moved to a new neighborhood, right, and you don't know anybody, or even how to get there, if you just make sure you, you even find the right place, and so really just having the heart for that, and then, uh, 
you know, just the, the wisdom of the, the leadership to, you know, put signs up there and, you know, uh, have all these resources available so that people will find us and see us and be able to be, have a soft landing to get to church, right? I think that even the Holy Spirit alone already is working on people's hearts and minds and to come boldly to a new church where you don't know anybody, it's kind of hard sometimes. So yeah. it's, it's awesome, you know, that, that people can be there. You know, obviously we can have all these things, all these kind of things all set up, but I think it's also that conversations you have one-on-one -on -one with people. You really need that, you know. Invite them over. Find out where they're coming from, you know. Yeah. Invite them for lunch and Amen. things like that. And first impressions, what time do, do they get here? 9.30. 9.30. Yeah. Amen. So if somebody wants to help out in that, what do they do? How do they talk uh, to you? They can talk to us. Talk to um, there's going to be a new rotation here fairly soon. All right. Yeah. And so, there's two teams. So and you get to wear a cool shirt. Yeah, it's sort of like the Honda Huffle guy. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, I know also another way that you serve is also by taking photos. And uh, it seems like every wedding for a while, you were always taking photos. But then all the, so, so many church events, it's funny, you know, you look at different people's uh, special memories they have, like with their family, uh, on their Facebook page, or, or of a baptism, or, you know, and, and so many of them are pictures that you've taken. I think about, you know, our family photos, like our favorite family photos are like all photos that you've taken through the years, you know, and our, our kids are like, you know, 18, 17, and 14 now, but, but even when they were little, like we have these awesome photos, and it's like, oh yeah, those are all, Cesar Brito has like documented our life, you know, so <laughs> thank you very much. I know we haven't paid you anything in all these oh. years, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, but, but what, what kind of, uh, you know, how do you see that ministry serving the church, you know, the ministry of, of photo or media or whatever? You know, um, you know, music is a great ministry, obviously. It really brings you close to Christ. But many times, uh, telling a good story, I've, I've sat with, you know, in just, in just listening to how good a good storyteller can just mm -hmm. make things come alive. But many times, when, you know, even the, these fires that we've seen lately, which is sad, yeah. a lot of things that we do cherish is photos. And many times it's that connection that we have of, of kids and family, and that's really important to me. And so just growing up, I remember before high school, I wanted to put together a, a photo album. And I said, man, it'd, it'd be great to have more. And so that's when I got the photo bug. And uh, it's great to see Vanessa here. Just, she was obviously yes. part of our group and uh, a strong force that was doing the photo team. And, uh, but yes, uh, telling a story. If sometimes you can't say it, you know, you can show it. And uh, that's, that's good. a great yeah, story. And I think that's something that so connects with the younger generation. I mean, everything is documented on our phones, right, constantly. So it's great if we can use that you know, to bring attention to the church and to what God is doing. And um, so, yeah, it is cool. The Holy Spirit brought Vanessa here today as uh, Caesar's talking. And uh, <laughs> Vanessa Adams and her, hus and her husband, uh, they relocated to the Salt Lake Church. Uh, and uh, but, but it's great to have you back, Vanessa. And, and Vanessa was instrumental in building our photo team. And she still manages our, our uh, Instagram feed. Uh, so I'm sure she would love for someone to volunteer to help out. See Vanessa right here if you, if you can help out with our Instagram feed. But, uh, but, you know, I know a lot of you guys do take photos, so I think one thing is just knowing about, um, we have a, it's called SBC Photo Team. It's a Facebook page. And so if we can just get all the photos that have to do with the, with the, the South Bay Church on there, then we can kind of use those for different things that we're doing. So if you are taking photos, the other thing you can do is just hashtag, right, uh, Vanessa? Because you see the hashtags, which is hashtag South Bay U.S.? South Bay Church U.S. South Bay Church U.S. So anytime you're taking... Take, anytime you're taking photos of some stuff that the church is doing, use hashtag South Bay Church US. I feel so youthful saying hashtag. <laughs> Sashpag. 
Hashtag. All right, cool. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Caesar. Um, so really appreciate all that you do to serve, and uh, it's great to get to know you better. Glad to do that. And uh, so I'm going to uh, kind of set our, our thoughts for communion, and then uh, Caesar will pray for communion for us, and uh, then we'll, we'll uh, kind of wrap things up here today. Um, but as we go to communion, just I want you to think about God's grace and what God's grace, you know, it says that Barnabas went to, to Antioch and he saw what the grace of God had done. Uh, uh, so I want you to think about what has the grace of God done in your life? Like if someone were to look in your life and go, what has the grace of God done? I want you to think about that as, uh, as we remember Jesus' body and blood given for us. So would you pray for us? Uh, Oh, dear God, thank you so much for your um, body of believers here, God, Lord. I know that you're knitting together a spiritual family, and we're so happy, my God, Lord, just to be part of it. And uh, I know that you're bringing more and more people, God, to the knowledge of your, of your Son. Please be with us all in our, in our minds and thoughts, God, Lord, as we think about, God, you know, what your Son has done for us, God. Lord. Just taking away all of our sins, God, Lord, the things that uh, we're no longer um, liable for, God, Lord, that you've made us cleanse, God. Thank you for your word. That's, that's the truth, Lord, God. That cleanses us, God, Lord. Thank you, my God, just for relationship here, God, Lord, that, uh, that we've had for years. God, we thank you so much, God, Lord, how uh, you bless us in so many different ways. We thank you, God, for the new people, obviously, God, and we thank you for the memories and, the, and how you've etched your words into our hearts. We just want to lift up our brothers, God, Lord, that, are, uh, that uh, needs help, God, Lord. Peace be with uh, David, God, Lord. And, uh, watch over him. Help him, my God, to, to have a great uh, recovery, God. Pray for my brother Don that you would help him as he uh, suffered a heart attack a couple days ago, Lord. That that uh, that it, it is your grace, God, that he's doing well, and uh, and we, we look forward, my God, to his uh, recovery. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 